Good morning, church family. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Um, as I was preparing for this and kind of writing things out, I realized just uh, how uncomfortable uh, these intros still are. Um, when I'm doing this on a Wednesday night or when I'm doing this on a Sunday, um, there's, a, there's an aspect of recognizing the situation that we're going through. There's also an aspect of just ignoring it and moving on. And so you never know what to do. And so as I've been preparing, these kind of thoughts came to my mind for today. And so in this season of turmoil and in this season of just anxiety and unease, I want to remind us of a few things. Our, as individuals, our purpose, our mission, and our God has completely stayed the same. We are looking at life and the world through completely brand new a lens, a brand new framework, but those things remain the same. And so we're going to look at that real quickly before we dig into the text, but this all leads into, into the text that we're going to be headed. So first and foremost, our God is immutable. That is one of his characteristics, or known as unchanging. What's great about this is the God that is leading and directing us now is the same God that was present, that, that did creation in Genesis chapter 1-1. The God that is leading and directing us now is the same God in John 3-16 that saw the world, loved the world so much that he sent his son. This God that is leading and directing us now is the same God four years ago, the same God that woke us up, allowed us to wake up on January 1st, 2020, knowing full well what March would bring. Our God is unchanging. Just because things are different does not mean that God has not changed at all. The second thing is our purpose. The Westminster Shorter Catechism uh, states that our purpose as individuals is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose. You can do that um, pre-COVID, you can do that post-COVID, and you can do that during COVID. I want to encourage you, make sure that you are still, even though things seem crazy, you're still glorifying God and you're still enjoying Him. The next thing that we see that's exactly the same is our main mission, both as individuals, as a local church, and as a global church, is to be sharing the good news, Matthew 28, 19-20. Not just sharing the good news, but making disciples. One of the things that I've noticed during this season is that discipleship isn't necessarily easier or harder, but it's able to be done in a completely different way. Um, uh, we're all at home, and so we all have a little bit of extra time somewhere, um, both personally, but then also as, as, as individuals to, to grow each other. And so I think that's a really interesting season that we're in. Um, I think that it's just changing the way that, that, that ministry is being done and will be done. Our purpose, our mission, our God remains the same. But the methods that we use are changing and will continue to change. And that's not just change just for the sake of change, but that's change for intentionality. So this morning, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, 13. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. That what I just said applies, but also doesn't. But I think it applies because it's important to recognize that our, even though everything else around us has gone crazy, 
who we truly are, what our true purpose is, who we truly serve, remains the same. Rock steady. So we're going to look today at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. We're going to take it verse by verse or section by section, but we're going to look at three main things. First, where our focus should be, both today, tomorrow, and where it should have been six months ago. But then also we're going to look at how God works in our lives. One of the things that I've noticed during this season is that as I'm preparing messages and preparing lessons and reading scripture, uh, I've always had a, 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 a framework, a lens that I've used scripture through. I have never had to view scripture through a pandemic. I've never had to view scripture through a, a quarantine season. Um, I've never had to view scripture through... Um, guidelines and all that sort of stuff. So things that I've always been like, oh yeah, that's how you interpret it and that's how it's applied have changed. Not that the text has changed, not that the meaning has changed, but the application. God is showing uh, new things in scripture because we don't have a book of the Bible that says this is what you do during a, do during a pandemic. But there are truths that we can gather from what's already there. And so I think that's important. And then third, just a brief word of encouragement for today and for tomorrow. So before we dig into that, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for this day. I ask that you would just continue to lead us and direct us and guide us. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have provided for us as individuals and the way you've provided for us as a church during this season. Lord, I I just thank you for just who you are and what you've done in spite of in spite of everything that's going on around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13 is what we're going to read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So first and foremost, we're going to look at where our focus should be. So verse 1 talks about this great cloud of witnesses. These are spectators watching the race that we're running. But what's important about this is that these are not just any old spectators, not just any old witnesses. 
this is linking back to the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith or the Faith chapter. It demonstrates and explains individuals that showed great faith in God during different circumstances, some very difficult and some just being faithful and, and obedient to God. These people are not just observing and watching. They are doing that, but they have been active participants in that. I think that's important to realize. There's a difference between watching something that you have once participated in versus watching something that you just enjoy watching. So in high school, I was on the robotics team. And in college, I would watch the, the championships on the NASA television channel. And so as I was watching those, I would show them to my friends and they would be like, oh, okay, whatever. And so it's the same reaction that I have towards watching most sports. Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't get me. I never, I didn't play a whole lot of sports growing up and, but I know the hard work and the, and the dedication and the, the focus and, and kind of the atmosphere of what's going on with the, with the robotics competition. But most people understand just the, the, the pressure and the excitement of regular sports. And so that's what's going on here. These are not just passive participants. These are folks that have actually ran the race themselves and have come out victorious. The second thing we see in this section is this idea of laying aside the hindrances. Athletic wear companies put big money into research and development for athletic clothing, both for the trendy, cool factor, but also for the performance factor. Whether it's uh, North Face or Patagonia, where they try to find uh, products that keep people warm or uh, provide the best uh, wicking of moisture or protection um, from rain and the elements. Or you look at Nike or Under Armour that tries to find uh, products that, that, that keep people cool and uh, make it light uh, so they can use their body to the best ability that they can. Uh, and so that's what's going on here in this text. There's an encouragement. There's people that have already ran this race. There's people that are cheering you on. So don't waste that opportunity. Don't just walk through. If you're running, you don't want to be carrying around a bunch of extra weight. As believers, we are running through life. This is not just to, to get to the end goal only. That's not the only reason, but to, to live our life the best. We must be in the best spiritual shape that we can be in. And so then what we see, we see this idea of the, the, the people that are watching, the models that we can see in the Old Testament, but then it completely shifts. And then we see who our focus should be on, and that's Jesus. And th this Jesus who's the founder and perfecter or the author and finisher of our faith. It's Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that has provided the good news for a relationship, a correct relationship with God, not one marred by sin that started in Genesis chapter 3. But what we see here is that this is the power that gives us the ability to continue the race. But it also gives our eyes a direction, a focus. Whether No matter what you're doing, if you have an end goal, an end result that you're trying to get after, you're able to focus and accomplish that task much better. There's no difference between that and the Christian life. Our focus should be solely on Christ. There are people that can help us. There are other models to look to um, for encouragement. But our focus needs to be on Christ, our eyes on Christ 
and our ears on his voice. We can see that throughout the text of Scripture. One thing that I want to highlight before we dig into the next section. So first, that's the focus. The second thing I want to look at is the idea of how God works in our lives. We're going to be looking at some Old Testament um, stuff real quickly. And just a quick word on the, the, the audience for the book of Hebrews. It isn't real, real clear. Um, there's not necessarily like this is the audience. But in general, what we can see are some Jewish Christians, Jewish believers that have been beat up, um, probably physically to an extent, but not, not to the extent that they will be. But they're exhausted, they're tired, and I feel like there's a sense of uh, struggle with their current faith. And so the author of Hebrews walks through the Old Testament and links the work that God was doing with the people of Israel, starting in Genesis, to what Christ was doing, and shows that it's a continuation and a new thing. And this is the, this is the train to hit your, yourself to. An encouraging word about the reality and the, the truth of Christ. Also, along with this encouraging word, especially what's evident in this text, it's also a preparatory word as well. Because these people don't necessarily know what's about to happen. This is written prior to the fall of Jerusalem, so there was some uh, persecution, but not to the extent that was coming. And so this is an encouragement for withstanding both um, sin, standing against sin, standing against um, the broken patterns of the world, standing against or being willing to, to, to lay your life down for the cause of Christ. And then also this idea of, which we're going to look into a little bit more, this idea of endurance and enduring discipline. So how does God work in our lives? This is the section where it comes to that, like, how do you, how do you relate what's going on currently with discipline? Is this discipline? Is it not discipline? I personally believe it is discipline. And discipline doesn't have to necessarily be um, um, punishment for misbehavior or sin. Discipline can also just be instruction or teaching. There are several things that I can think of that our country, our world, our churches should be disciplined for uh, punishment-wise, for misbehavior, for sin. But I don't see this necessarily just as that. I see this as an instructive time because God is being very good to us as individuals. God is being very good to us as a church. And talking with other friends that I know that are in ministry, both locally and in other parts of the country, money, tithing is, has been consistent. And that's a beautiful thing to see the body of Christ rally together. Even though we are separated, we have rallied together for a common purpose. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I believe that these, this idea of discipline is, is growing us as both individuals, but also as, as a church body and as a global church as well. I believe that there's, it's just all for a specific purpose. But I also believe that, that even though there's a specific purpose, our mission and our purpose still remains the same as individuals and as a body. So what we see in this idea of discipline throughout this, this section, verses um, 4 uh, through 10a, we see the importance of discipline, the necessity of discipline, 
and we see a comparison to uh, natural world, the natural world, to the, to the modern world. Um, parents discipline. Parents discipline usually for their own purposes. What they see is best. Okay, most of the time that's okay. Um, sometimes that's bad, and I and I'm sure some of you have burdens or baggage based on that. So if if this is a hang up, don't let that be, because then we jump down into verses. 10b and 11, we see how God and why God disciplines. God doesn't discipline just for the sake of it. He's not a kid with a magnifying glass on an anthill. He disciplines for a purpose. He disciplines intentionally. He disciplines for our holiness and he disciplines so we can taste the peaceful fruit of righteousness. As I was reading through this text, this phrase, peaceful fruit of righteousness, has really stood out to me. You don't see people in the news, usually in the news, for righteous things. Typically, if you're in the news, you're probably in the news for unrighteous things. And peace is never a part of that. But as believers, we go through things that should be providing and bringing holiness in our lives, more Christ-likeness in our lives, and righteousness in our lives. And righteousness being linked to peace is very, very interesting to me. I don't know exactly how to, what to say about that, but I want to encourage you to spend some time looking at that. Um, I know what God is trying to speak to me on those things, and so I think that's a personal application, but I think it's interesting that righteousness is linked with peacefulness. And it's a beautiful, beautiful fruit. So, as I said, I believe that we are experiencing um, discipline right now. I think that's the purpose for this. There's been good things that have come from this. There's been some bad, terrible things that have come from this. Um, But God is still good. And so our focus needs to continue to be on Christ. Our focus, our purpose still needs to be recognizing and, and, and trying to put what we're experiencing into a biblical framework. Is this, is this what God, I believe that God allowed, I mean, God totally allowed this, okay? But I believe this is also just evidence of, of what happened in Genesis chapter three, the fallout of the fall. Nature is trying to attack us. Um, I think it's important to realize that. I think it's also important to realize that though we may hear a bunch of voices um, and, and we're, we're living in this physical realm, this physical plane, we must realize that this is also very, very spiritual. And so we must focus both spiritually and physically, literally, on the person and the voice of Christ. Because when you start messing with spiritual warfare, there's, you, you, you must be resting on truth. And so... I want to now transition into a quick word from from the author of Hebrews, just an encouraging word. So the author says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strengthen your weak knees and lift your drooping hands. These people were spiritually defeated, spiritually exhausted. I believe that there was also some practical, literal exhaustion and tiredness as well. 
One commentary stated that this was written to a house church, a real small group of people that that were real scrappy. And and I think that I think that this is a word for us today too. We're experiencing exhaustion both spiritually and, and physically. And we encourage you, strengthen your weak knees, lift your drooping hands. We are not defeated. We are not over. Church is not over. We still have our marching orders as individuals and as a body of Christ, whether we're meeting together in person or whether we're just continuing to, to communicate and, 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 and grow um, through distance. We will return to church one day, and it will be back to something that's, that's normal-ish. But right now, that's not where we're at. And I think it's important to realize and to rest on the fact that God is still in control and that God knows what he's doing. And we need to not just like say, like, okay, whatever, and back off completely. But we need to seek what it is that God is trying to teach us and to listen to what it is that God is trying to teach us. So I'm going to pray, and then I want to read one more scripture passage. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I ask that you would just continue to to grow us, and you would just continue to demonstrate what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do you do with a passage like this? I think that this is, for me, this is, very, this is personal. I think there's going to be personal application based on where you're at in your, in your walk with Christ. But I want to give you two things. First and foremost, if you have not experienced the good discipline that Christ, that God provides, and you feel like you're distant from him. You feel like maybe you're not a true son or daughter. I want to encourage you to reach out to us. 435-6007. You can contact us. We would love to con- have a conversation about sharing what the gospel message is. And share how you can be a son or a daughter of the creator of the world. The other thing is, I, I, even in my own life, I get distracted by the voices and the excitement and the commotion that's around. Maybe we just need to sit and and rest on the person and the voice of Christ. Be more intentional in that. For me personally, I need to use my time a little wiser in in the little bit of free time that I've got to, to make sure that I'm growing as an individual, but then also encouraging others as well. Because this, what we're being taught, has to sit at an individual personal level before we can make large changes as well. So I want to read one more passage. As I was preparing, kind of processing what to preach on, uh, this is the text that actually stood out to me. And as I was reading all of chapter 12, 1 through 13 ended up being the direction that, that I was supposed to go. But I want to remind, and I already said it once before, but I want to remind us again. We are not just fighting a physical war. This is not just a political thing or whatever. We must keep in mind that this is a spiritual thing as well. So I want to read, I'm going to end with this verse, verse 28 of chapter 12. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. We are at war with spiritual forces. But 
our God is a consumable fire, and we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is all in, in mixed in with this idea of the Sinai covenant um, with Moses, but this is a better, Jesus is a better covenant. Run the race with endurance. Right now, we are racing against a pandemic, against brokenness and darkness and just uncertainty. But our God is a consuming fire. And we have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's hold fast to that, church. Thanks. See you soon. church. My name is Greg Marler, and I am honored to serve as one of your deacons. And I just hope today, as, uh, as you listen to Brother Galen's message and as you, as you listen to me, that everything is going well for you during these uh, strange and unusual times. Um, we certainly hope that you know we are here for you, even though we're still not able to meet in person at this time. Um, we want you to feel that you can reach out to us at any point, 
and uh, we, we are here to help in any way that we can. I wanted to start out with that song today um, just because I do feel that it's very fitting. Um, you know, sometimes, especially when we're going through things that we don't understand, we wonder what God's up to and what, what, uh, why are we going through what we're going through. But uh, God has a time for everything, and um, sometimes it doesn't always line up with what we think it should, but he does have uh, a plan, and he's constantly working that out, and um, it's just something that, uh, you know, we have to have to examine and go through, and uh, hopefully we can use this time as a time of growth, and that's what, really what I want to talk about today. Uh, many of you that know me know that uh, I'm, a, I'm a big sports fan, uh, played sports, and uh, love to watch sports. I had many coaches over the years tell me that uh, every day you're either you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're either working and uh, working to improve, uh, or if you're not doing anything to improve, uh, then you are you know sliding backwards. And as a Christian, uh, we many times it's the same way. Um, you know, when we get saved, God, um, we're a babe in Christ, and God wants us to continue to grow. And uh, our goal should be to continue to become more Christ-like each and every day. And um, Philippians 1 and 6 is a, a good verse for this. It says, Being confident in this very thing, that he which began a great work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the time that we accept Jesus as our Savior, from that time forward, God is working in us to uh, help us and grow us and to become more Christ-like. And that's a constant thing that will continue until uh, until uh, Christ comes back. It's it's something that he that is going to happen, and we need to be searching that out, seeking it out, and wanting to grow in Christ, and uh, examining each and every day and the things that we go through to um, try to understand what it is that God is trying to do within us and what he's trying to make us into. Um, and you know, and as we're going through this time of where so many things that we felt like were normal, that things that we can no longer do, um, I think it's important that we examine ourselves and, and our lifestyles and our families and try to understand what, what things, what normal things we need to go back to and maybe what things that we, what aspects of our life don't need to go back to that normal because God would like for us to change in some way. So um, I encourage you to think about that and those things in your life. And as things start to open back up and we start to uh, get back to some things that we're more familiar with, um, examine and, and think about which things you actually need to return to and which things that it's good that you uh, have this time to maybe turn away from. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, another thought in terms of as we go through these difficult times is that, um, you know, it's so easy sometimes when things are going well to uh, have this illusion that we're in, in control. And it's when, those, when, we, when things happen that help us to see that we're not in control, that's when doubt and fear and worry start to creep into our lives. And uh, that's not something that God wants us to do as, as, as his children. Um, you know, and, and as his children, we don't have to do that. Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
So, um, you know, once, once we accept Jesus as our Savior and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, He is within us. And, you know, the great thing is that regardless of the circumstances we're facing here on earth, we know who wins in the end. We know how it ends. We know if we've accepted Jesus as our Savior that uh, where, it's, where we're going to spend eternity. And we can take so much comfort in that. And it's something that the world does not understand. And that's why it says the peace of path is all understanding. Because, you know, it's, it's so great that, you know, it's hard for even sometimes a Christian to understand. But the world... The world doesn't have it, and they don't understand it, and it's something that we have. And honestly, if it's something that we both have and we live out, um, it is a great witness for, for those that don't have it. They don't understand why we can be at peace and be at so much uh, rest in times of, of uncertainty. So I hope that's something that, that you feel in your life, that peace and um, if it's something that you don't have, um, I encourage you to reach out to Brother Gary, Brother Galen, or any of the deacons, or somebody else in the church to, um, to see and talk about what it's like to feel that, or, or you know, how you can accept Christ as your Savior and, and have Him living uh, in your heart. I want to say thank you to Galen, uh, Brother Galen, for not only filling in and doing the message this morning, but also... Um, uh, just everything he's done during this time to help with the technology and uh, doing these videos and things of that nature. Um, he does so much for the church that so many people don't know about. And um, uh, if, you, if you see Galen or, you know, maybe you could give uh, the church office a call and, and thank him because he, he really does deserve it. Um, also, I want to say thank you to all, the, uh, all of you that have continued to give during this time when we have not been meeting. Um, you know, obviously we have bills and, and things that uh, have that continue to need to be paid, and uh, that was a concern when we were not going to meet. Has it been so great with that? And we just we just hope and pray that you'll continue to to do that during these times and until we can get back and, and meet in person. Um, again, I just want to encourage you to let uh, let us as the deacon body know if there's anything that you need during this time. We would be glad to try to help you. And uh, we are here for you, and uh, we certainly miss you guys. We look forward to when we can uh, meet back in person, and I hope each and every one of you guys have a, have a great week, and uh, that God will continue to watch over and protect you. Thank you.